When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is Lauren Lester, the voice of Robin and Nightwing. And you're listening to the DCAU Review. Hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com. And on your favorite podcast app. Gotham City is out of control. An entire city screaming in fear. Super villains walk the streets, preying on the innocent. They will learn the true nature of power. The police are powerless. A creature prowls this urban wasteland. Is that? He moves in darkness. For some, he is a rumor, a name whispered in the corridors of the underworld, waiting for the chance to strike. Let every criminal know the acid taste of fear. You crazy? Gotham has forgotten what justice means. The Dark Knight is here to remind them. Batman. Good guys wear black. Welcome everybody to episode 225 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter account. That's right, it's Liam. Liam, welcome to a brand new month, and uh, we have arrived back home where it all began. We are starting off the month here of September, celebrating uh, a very special anniversary of where it all began. And not not just for the podcast, technically not for the podcast, but uh, for the inspiration behind the podcast. That's right. Um, So we, yeah, September is marking 30 years, my goodness, since Batman the Animated Series first debuted on uh, Fox Kids in the in the states, and uh, yeah, I mean it's it's hard not to get a little uh, you know the, our our whole show is about being nostalgic for for this era of uh, of cartoons and everything, but um, especially I think for for Batman the Animated Series because as you mentioned, Cal, this it spawned something uh, incredible, not just in. DC cartoons not just in superhero cartoons I think it affected you know all of animation that uh, that came after it and really raised the bar for what you could tell uh, the type of stories you could tell in a you know in an all ages setting and uh, you know it's it's still impacted today we you know we've discussed it in the past there's still merchandise and 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 comic book sequels being made to the series some 30 years on from uh, from when it rig- originally spawned. And, and I think that just speaks to the the level of quality we saw in in, uh, in really across all of these DCAU shows, but especially, you know, the foundation of it all is, of course, this original Batman the Animated Series. And uh, what better way to celebrate it than to kick it off with a review of a, a really memorable classic episode in Read My Lips. That is right. A uh, one that I, I feel like, 
uh, we've told this story a hundred times, so I'll just tell the brief story. But the whole reason we started this podcast was when the 25-year anniversary of Batman the Animated Series came out. Uh, all of the, a lot of people started coming out with their top top 10 lists or top five lists or ranking every episode of Batman, the animated series from best to worst or worst to best. And uh, I would say that uh, consistently this, uh, this episode ends up in a lot of people's top 10, if not top five. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm very interested to see where it'll land uh, on our scores and rankings today as we get into our review of it, uh, because that's why we do this podcast, because we uh, we decided that uh, we want other people to know what we think. We, as, uh, as, as we believe that the best of the best, the top experts on this field, uh, you want to know what our opinion is of this, of course. So uh, we are prepared to give our scores for our four categories today and give you a, a final grade on uh, on this episode read my lips uh, before we do that liam we of course are going to get into the official imdb synopsis for this week's episode which originally aired as you mentioned here in the states back on the fox kids network on may the 10th 1993 meaning we are just uh, a few months shy of the 30 year anniversary of this episode's debut and of course uh this segment is, of course, brought to you by The Pod Tower. Head over to youtube.com slash The Pod Tower, where you can check out all our previous Batman the Animated Series reviews, as well as every other review that we've done thus far for the additional DCAU cartoons. In addition to that, you also get some great content from other DCAU creators. Head over to youtube.com slash The Pod Tower. That's right, Cal. This is the IMDb synopsis for Read My Lips which was written by Alan Burnett, Michael Reeves, and Joe Lansdale, uh, with direction by Boyd Kirkland, uh, music by Shirley Walker, and animation by TMS. And that synopsis reads as such. Batman must stop an insane ventriloquist whose alternate criminal personality dominates him through his gangster dummy. Oh, <laughs> my. <laughs> I really, I didn't really read that one closely before, before I read it there. Gangster dummy really got me. That's good. And the, like, they just dominate. Uh, so, uh, Liam, we can get into our, uh, our plot here. And if you don't mind kicking things off and letting the good people know just uh, what this whole episode is all about. That's right. So we open, uh, it's, it's the whole episode is sort of framed. It feels very much like it's a, it's a mafia movie. It's a, you know, a mob type, uh, thing, thing going on there. And we'll certainly talk about that in the voice acting and in music later on, but we open up on a, a prize fight, a boxing match. And, uh, we quickly see a, uh, a promoter counting his, uh, his rewards that he's gotten for all the bets placed during this, this massive heavyweight boxing fight. And as he and the uh, security guards are leaving to take all of their, uh, their cash out of the building, the lights go out and uh, we see three masked criminals uh, beat, beat them down and, and take the cash and escape. And, and uh, when it looks like maybe they've been, they've been caught, they made it, make it all the way up to the roof, to the roof of the building and the cops are on their way. What happens, but a mattress truck pulls up and they all jump like 55 stories down <laughs> to, uh, to <laughs> land safely in this mattress truck and escape with the cops being none the riser. It reminded me a little bit of the uh, the school bus sequence in The Dark Knight. Um, ah, that's good. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a clever little way where it kind of looks like they're dead to rights. And how could they possibly get out of this? But you're immediately setting up here that the, the these these crooks are 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 aren't your garden variety uh, hoodlums that uh, that perhaps Gotham City and Batman are are used to dealing with, and and we see that as uh, as from there. The, uh, the bandits make it back to their hideout, which appears to be some sort of a mannequin factory. You know, there's of always... Course. One of those. <laughs> right, one of those. <laughs> and, uh, and they're sort of informing the boss that their, uh, their, their plans went off without a hitch. We don't quite see the boss yet. We see this uh, older sort of balding man with, with glasses and then a, a short man sort of sitting, sort of obstructed by a silhouette. It went down smooth, Scarface, just like you said. That's just the beginning, boys. Soon we're gonna own this town. That's that's clear that these uh, these criminals are no uh, no dummies, so to speak. As they're, uh, they're and we and we have that uh, illustrated by uh, a series of the the classic spinning newspaper gag, uh, where uh, where we get different headlines from the Gotham Times telling us that uh, this crime spree is going going uh, going off without a hitch and and the police are baffled and and uh, it seems to be planned out very well and so uh, from there we see Gordon uh, in his office sort of puzzling over how to stop them and as Batman appears and, uh, and, they, and they begin to discuss the case uh, Gordon lets Batman know that they were able to catch a, uh, a brief video glimpse of the three masked thugs but that because they're uh, they're so quick and, and it's only a few seconds of footage that they haven't really been able to find anything so batman takes it upon himself to take the uh, tape from gordon and, and heads off to the bat cave where he is able to slow down the footage and notice that while uh, two of the thugs escape without really giving anything away the uh, the larger of the three uh, sees his uh, his sleeve on his uh, on his lovely turtleneck torn <laughs> and uh, it reveals a tattoo of what else but a rhino which uh, thankfully this is i love i love that there's a batman a bat computer criminal tattoo database you got to love it of I, course there is i love that and so he's able to match that tattoo to i guess a, a well-known gangster that being uh, one rhino who is uh, who is out out and about, and uh, Batman decides to go kind of shake him down for a little bit of information. Who you looking for, Bat Breath? First guess is you. Don't get wise with me. I might not like you. You're breaking my heart, Rhino. I ain't scared of you, but you ain't gonna trick me into taking a swing at you. You got nothing on me. You seem to have me confused with the police, Rhino. I want information, and I'll get it any way I please. Who's your boss? You want information? Watch the news. You've got a hard head. How about using it for something other than a blunt object? Well, if it isn't Charles Rhino Daly, why don't you run along home? Your ma's probably waiting up. Whew, 
guy like that, I'm not so sure a bullet would stop him. Hey, I'm not so sure a tank would stop him. That's right. So uh, we we get the the interrogation as Batman is able to uh, to match that tattoo as you mentioned uh, to one Charles Rhino Daly, uh, which Batman Batman's kind enough to refer to him only by his gangster name, which is mm-hmm. Rhino, which you gotta love. But uh, Batman comes upon Rhino and and uh, and begins a shakedown and attempt to get information. Rhino is at first not willing to engage not only in in physical uh, physical uh, a physical fight of any kind, but also uh, refuses to give up any information. Batman sort of goads him into uh, a physical altercation, which just makes Rhino look slow and 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 sort of awkward as he trips over himself and lands in the garbage. Batman uh, is still attempting to get the information out of him when the police happen to roll by and we get a little bit of exposition from these cops as Batman swings away, explaining that uh, they fear Rhino because he's, they're not even sure a, a, a bullet or a tank could stop him. So we get a little bit of groundwork laid there for just how powerful this guy is. He's very much a, a Wilson Fisk-esque type character, mm-hmm. you know, a, a big hulking uh, man that uh, that seems to be not quite superhuman in strength, but certainly uh, is able to withstand a, a little bit more uh, than your your prototypical gangster would. And he's certainly mm-hmm. large in stature. Batman is is uh, he's sort of towering over Batman during this brief interrogation that they have. But we learn very quickly that Rhino is a, maybe a little bit of a softy as he heads back to the uh, heads back to the lair and is quite upset and demanding that this uh this uh this uh, lackey in in a uh in a tuxedo uh get the boss and wake him up so that he can tell him that batman is attempting to shake him down we learn that batman of course has tailed rhino to this this location this abandoned mannequin factory and uh batman is thankfully uh, there is a skylight for him to peer into you know what do you know about that what are the chances but <laughs> batman peers in and is uh is is somewhat startled and frightened as we learn that the reveal that the boss uh, as uh this uh, white-haired man goes into the room and awakens him and brings him down uh, to speak to Rhino that he is not only carrying this diminutive creature, but uh, he may in fact be a, uh, a inhuman. Uh, let's just say that. So we get this, uh, we get this bit of dialogue where Rhino explains to, uh, to Scarface that we learn uh, that uh, Batman is, Batman is after him and uh, Scarface is immediately suspect that there is somebody on his uh, on his team that is a squealer and that is uh, that is good, that is about to give up the jig and uh, is uh, is is a bit of a snitch. So he's immediately suspect. Okay, talk, Rhino. What's so important? I can't get a good night's sleep. Uh, Batman's got me figured, Scarface. I don't know how, but he came down on me like a cast iron safe. Batman. We're talking real trouble. What are we gonna... Hey, hey, who you talking to, creep? He's just a hired help. I'm the boss here. You talk to me. Sorry, boss. He's new. He don't know the score. Yeah, well, he better get with the program pretty quick. I don't stand for no lack of respect. This Batman business can only mean one thing. We got us a squealer. No, boss, that can't be. None of us want to screw up a sweet deal like this. 
Glad to hear it, Muggsy. Because if there isn't, I find them, it's drapes for that rat. Now, Mr. Scarface, remember your blood pressure. Shut up! I want your opinion, dummy. I'll pull your string. But goes back to bed, and the, the rest of the thugs begin talking among themselves. And that's where we get the first first uh, actual verbal confirmation that this is a ventriloquist dummy and that the the person holding him is known simply as the ventriloquist and uh, there's a bit of dialogue between the, the the gang back and forth as to who the real brains is behind the whole uh, the, the whole gang and uh, Rhino is convinced that the ventriloquist is simply hired help and that Scarface is the real is the real brains behind the operation, much to the the confusion of the other two gang members who are convinced that the ventriloquist is is simply behind all of it and uses Scarface as sort of a it's it, it's a it's a mouthpiece, pun intended, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the ventriloquist puts uh, Scarface back to bed, and we get Batman sort of uh, breaking into Scarface's room. At that point, we get a, a little funny little bit where he goes over. Scarface is tucked into bed, which is hilarious, and Batman goes to, to sort of reach his hand out to him, and Scarface's eyes sort of uh, open up there very suddenly, a very horror movie type uh, type trope there. Batman closes his eyes back and we get the ventriloquist himself walking into the room. Batman sneaks up behind him and and brings him into a closet to interrogate him and demand information about their heists. And it's at this point that Batman begins to put the pieces together as the ventriloquist swears that he knows nothing, that Scarface keeps everything hidden from him and that he's not able to to tell Batman any information uh, about what what Scarface's plans are. Uh, at this point, we hear Scarface's voice in the distance wake up and begin shouting things at the ventriloquist. And Batman uh, allows the ventriloquist to go, but places a a, uh, a bug on the ventriloquist's bow tie. My advice to you, don't make a sound. I'm looking for evidence, evidence of your previous robberies. Robberies? Don't be coy. Cooperate and it could go easier for you. He, he doesn't tell me anything, not his plans, not where he hides the loot. I swear I'm just a flunky. I know nothing. You can think I'm dumb. Just don't talk to me like I'm dumb. I don't know anything, I tell you. Let me go before he... Hey, who's making all the racket? That you, dummy? Oh, no. Don't let him find me with you. You don't know how dangerous he is. He sees me talking to you. I'm a goner. Please. Dummy, get in here. Sorry, Mr. Scarface, I couldn't sleep. I need my beauty rest here, dummy. That's twice you wake me up. Do it again, you're gonna be wearing a pine overcoat, get me? And uh, it's at this point that Batman has kind of set up for the uh, the finale here. Is he does go home and uh, back to the Batcave and... He, we get some some further exposition and explanation of, of multiple personality disorder, and we, we learn that uh, the ventriloquist and Scarface are two different personalities existing in the same body, and uh, we get some dialogue between Batman and Alfred as, uh, as he compares the two voices that he's hearing through the, uh, through the bug that he's placed on the ventriloquist tie. 
And uh, the ventriloquist and, and Scarface at this point are also sort of feeding this information directly to Batman, seemingly unbeknownst to them as uh, what Scarface's next plan is. And Scarface is even more paranoid at this point. He still believes that there's a traitor among their, uh, amongst them and that uh, he will sniff the rat out at some point and, and deal with them. But moving on to their next plan, they have a heist uh, where they're going to steal some uh, platinum, a platinum shipment that has come in on a ship. So he's going to send uh, send his gang of thugs uh, to steal the platinum off the ship. And uh, Batman, of course, is listening in and is there to meet them and attempt to foil them. But uh, he himself is uh, overtaken by by Rhino and the gang as Rhino pushes a giant stack of these platinum bars on top of Batman in a very painful looking scene. I uh, can only imagine how heavy and painful that was. Uh, somehow Batman survives, and uh, and uh, we are set up for our, our finale here as Batman awakens, tied up, hanging above razor-sharp claws attached to these, uh, these mannequin hands, and uh, Scarface is just about to do away with him. Uh, but uh, not not before Batman uh, has has one final conversation with him. That's right. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, an, an interesting little uh, finale we've set up here. As as again, we have uh, we have Batman tied up and and all of these uh, these crazy things going on in uh, in uh, in the in the final act here. He's he's uh, suspended above mannequin hands. Yep, which is just beautiful just just again what a weird thing that could only exist in in gotham city uh just a bunch of sharp mannequin hands waiting to skewer batman i want to know what the setup process like was this already (laughs) set up at some point like like Scarface knew that if he had a had an enemy that he needed to kill, that this was going to be what he did. Like, did they after Batman was was incapacitated by the platinum? Did he have Rhino and the other guys like glue these razor sharp nails to the <laughs> to the the tips mm-hmm. of these mannequin hands? Because it, you know, you man, it's not like this was a mannequin nail manufacturing plant. <laughs> mannequin hands that you have to assume somebody attached these razor sharp claws to right what was the setup process for that this whole this whole shebang yeah definitely something that would be uh would be again we need we've already talked about there needs to be like an episode where we learn about these villain like accountants right (laughs) because like two-face had a credit card in an episode that was made out to two-face yep we also need like the villain architect who's just designing these (laughs) hideouts and and death traps for all of them so but yes as uh, as batman kind of comes to and then scarface is sort of threatening him and and telling him that he's gonna gonna let him go batman who of course had been listening in on uh on on scarface and ventriloquist conversations knows that scarface believes that there must be a rat in his gang and that someone must have been feeding Batman intel. And so Batman decides that he'll uh, sort of play along with that theory. And in fact, uh, fingers none other than the ventriloquist himself as the, the rat in Scarface's gang. And, uh, and, and of course, that, that then leads to uh, Scarface uh, turning, turning his gun on, uh, on, on Arnold, on the ventriloquist himself. Hold it. This is getting old, Bats. Last chance. Who's the traitor? Him, the ventriloquist. 
No, no, he's lying. I told you when he came into my room. So what? Maybe you did because I had you cornered. Heard you talking to Batman. Shut up, you blockhead. What did you say? It, it wasn't me. I didn't say that. My lips didn't move. So what? You're a ventriloquist. You're also a lion, yellow, liver, belly, two-faced. No, Scarface, not me. I'm loyal. I'd never... He's been feeding me information in return for legal protection. You're going up the river, sawdust for brains. Why, I ought to waste the four-flusher. For we forgot to mention, by the way, Batman in his exposition... Uh, to Alfred about the multiple personality disorder mm -hmm. throws out this interesting factoid that references you gotta love it. it's a callback to the to the Zatanna episode as he mm -hmm. mentioned studying under Zatara but hap happens to mention that Zatara taught him how to be a ventriloquist mm -hmm. and changing your voice and and throwing it which is just a little bit of a of a of a of a breadcrumb for what was going to happen in this scene. <laughs> no other reason other than than for this to happen in this in this moment and for this goofy little bit to happen. But uh, yeah, Batman also confirmed to be a, a talented ventriloquist along with being the world's greatest detective. That's right. So it leads to a a, a final act there as yes, as, uh, as Batman sort of uh, accuses the ventriloquist of being the rat and Scarface at first tries to uh, to get his gang to shoot the ventriloquist, but of course, none of them want to do it because <laughs> they're uh, they're aware of what's going on here. And uh, <laughs> and then, as you mentioned, Batman begins to throw his voice and uh, make himself sound like Arnold, and uh, and and sort of insult Scarface to sort of enrage him even more. Which leads to, and we'll probably talk about this again in voice acting, but maybe the best line of the whole episode, which is. When uh, when Arnold uh, protests uh, by saying, "I didn't say that. My lips didn't move," and Scarface <laughs> shouts, "So what? You're a ventriloquist!" <laughs> it's uh, it's incredible. Um, and uh, so yes, that leads to who, as uh, as Arnold is about to uh, to apparently, for all uh, for all intents and purposes, commit suicide here, as uh, Scarface has his own little Tommy gun. He's prepared to turn on Arnold, a, a battering comes flying in as Batman has freed himself and, and just tears off Scarface's hands. And, uh, and then we get Batman sort of taking out the other gang members and then finally coming face to face with Rhino one more time. And after once again, it's made clear that Batman's really not a physical match for this guy at all. He's able to sort of trick him and use some leverage to get him to sort of headbutt a, a big metal uh, bookcase or shelving unit and it falls on him. So now it's just down seemingly to uh, to Batman and Scarface, but as uh, Muggsy, one of the other thugs, grabs a gun and begins to fire at Batman, Batman runs and dives behind a uh, a little countertop or something. And unfortunately, as would as this does establish the precedent, uh, <laughs> this episode, like every other appearance that he will have for the rest of the series, uh, Scarface is just horribly dismembered with. Uh, <laughs> with bullets from this and it, it sort of leads to uh, to Arnold having a a pretty dramatic breakdown as he's he's weeping and crying as we just uh, look at this completely bullet riddled uh, puppet and uh, seemingly you would think that would be the end but we get kind of the uh, 
the Friday the 13th to be continued ending as we we then cut to Arkham Asylum some months later we overhear some doctors talking about how uh, Arnold has made some some really strong uh, strides over his over his time here and the medication seems to be working he's appears to be working in some sort of a wood shop or something and uh, as one of the other doctors comes over to check on him and and, and congratulates him on uh, on some good woodworking he sort of flips over the uh, what he's working on, and we see that is in fact a new face for Scarface. And just to uh, in case there was any doubt of what this uh, this puppet head was supposed to be, we see him stab the uh, the little exacto knife into the uh, into the wood, and he begins to create the scar for the uh, for the marionette's face. So that's the we we get our uh, you know the the serial killer, the the villains coming back in a. Uh, in a future episode for sure. So that's, uh, that's sort of where we wrap it up there. The medication has helped him immensely. His other personality seems to have totally submerged. That's very good work. Thank you. Yep, yeah, it's uh it's a it's a fitting ending to the episode. A very uh, very they took they took advantage of the fact that they could do some pretty brutal stuff in this episode as uh-huh. well before and the uh the the way to end the episode with him literally stabbing this this wooden face and drawing it just slowly dragging the knife down was a very fitting end to that. Uh, sort of bookended uh, some of the violence that we saw in this episode. But uh, Liam, I guess it's time to talk about our scores for the episode. Uh, This is uh, another one of those classic Batman, the animated series episodes. Um, I think that on this rewatch, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty uh, good indicator of why this episode tends to be on so many people's top lists. It's a, it's a great story from, from beginning to end. You do get a little bit of intrigue at the start. I love that they don't, you, you don't reveal Scarface right away as a puppet. If you're mm-hmm. a Batman fan, or if you were a Batman fan going into the episode, you know, you know what the reveal is going to be, but also remembering that this is a children's cartoon. So for the child the first time to not put two and two together and realize that this like this initial scene where this guy is barking orders and being demonstrative to this whole group uh and then to have it revealed in the very or in two scenes later that he's this little puppet is is a first of all it's it's like dark humored hilarious uh when you think about it that like this guy that's barking orders and running roughshod over gotham with this gang and uh barking orders at these and, and talking down to these people in such a such a mean way is actually just a puppet um is 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 super dark humor that's hilarious but then to have the reveal be a be a puppet behind everything also it's like wait what 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 are we dealing with here there's it's a guy with a puppet that's the that's the villain um but then of course all the jokes that go on throughout that you know that this guy has two split personality disorders so he's talking to himself and he's threatening to kill himself and he's talking to himself like he's an he calls himself an idiot and all of this stuff like all of the the jokes that they play off in that 
make it really, really, really fun. Um, we'll talk about the voice performances later. That adds a layer to it. The music adds, adds another layer to it. Um, but I, I feel like from start to finish, I love that you kick things off with a kind of a classic heist movie. Uh, a lot of the gadgets that they use in that first scene as they sort of are climbing out of the, uh, the ventilation shaft and then the jumping off the roof into the, into the truck with the, with the mattresses, uh, as you mentioned at the start, is a, it was a great little bit. Um, I think Batman doing detective work, we get Batman doing plenty of detective work here, less, less physical stuff in this episode for Batman, uh, some interrogation, some detective work, and, and then, but still having some physical altercations with a, with a, with a man beast that's larger than he is that he has to figure <laughs> out how to, how to outsmart because he can't take them on with his fists, um, I love that. I love Batman outsmarting uh, Scarface at the end. And even though this goofy, he, th this explanation for how Batman is also a ventriloquist is <laughs> super goofy. It fits very much into the world of Batman. Of course, Batman is also a, a renowned ventriloquist. He's, he's the best at everything. Why wouldn't he be a ventriloquist also? Um, so yeah, that, that fits into it. And then the violent death of, of Scarface just being blown apart that scene, that, that up close scene of, of, of Arnold, the ventriloquist's face, uh, immediately like just in horror and shock after Scarface has been destroyed. It's just so emotional followed by his like immediate sobbing. And then I think the, the bow at the end of like, this is not the end with him creating the creating the new Scarface head and drawing that, that slow knife down his face is just perfect. Well, lots of great things. And we'll talk about more in animation visuals in just a second, as well as the other categories. But I love this episode. It flows so well. I love the little bit of intrigue. I love the, the story, the heist aspect of things. Batman having to use his brain to figure out how he's going to outsmart uh, these guys can't rely simply on his fists. So for all those reasons, I gave this one a perfect 10 out of 10. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, I love this one as well. I, uh, I ended up giving it a 9 out of 10 myself. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's a hoot. It's really well paced. As you mentioned, we don't get the, the puppet reveal until the very end of that, that first act there. So again, the, the way it's paced is very deliberate. The sort of the, the way Batman sort of does a little, has to do a little bit of detective work. He can't, even once he, he knows where the bad guys are, he still has to kind of find a way to trap them. Cause really at that point, he's only been able to uh, pin Rhino to the, to the crimes. He hasn't had the rest of the, uh, the crew yet so uh, and then the way they sort of turn the tables on him and then yes as you mentioned the sort of the silliness of uh, of him him using ventriloquism to <laughs> to, uh, to uh to to save himself at the end there it's still it's again it's a very classic batman thing and it's it's funny there's a uh, there's a commentary track on on this episode for the uh i think it's on the original dvd release and then again on the uh, on the blu-ray version they uh, they put it on there and and Bruce Tim mentioned that this this Scarface character he was only created in the the 1980s by uh, I know uh, I think Alan Grant was the writer, and um, just recently passed away himself. Uh, but uh, but he he mentioned that this is one of the few modern Batman villains that he felt really like fit this archetypal like 
Dick Tracy character sort uh-huh. of thing that a lot of the classic Batman villains have and that you felt Scarface fit right in there. And then there is a little bit of tweaking between, you know, this, this uh, version of him and the, and the comic book version. One of the kind of the, the jokes of the, of the character in the, in the comic version is that he's not a very good ventriloquist. <laughs> and so like all of his, all of his B's sound like G's cause he's kind of talking out of the side of his mouth, but uh-huh. uh, they chose not to go that route. And I think it's for the better. We'll certainly talk more about that in, in voice acting, but the idea that it's just this, complete split even maybe more so than say Two-Face or some of these other characters that we've met that have these really you know deep psychotic issues he's so he's so split that it's a, a completely different person and and is so unaware you know that he is that they that that Scarface is so unaware that he is born out of Arnold's mind that he's he's willing to turn a gun on on the ventriloquist and and all that's just such a fun final act there and and then yeah it's it's a and and the fact that Arnold really does clearly have like a a care like a a love for Scarface like the way he breaks down at the end when when Scarface is shot is uh, is really really makes it very interesting so yeah it's like an abusive it's almost like a a very abusive relationship Mm -hmm. two of them because of how mean how mean Scarface is to the ventriloquist literally calls him dummy like Mm -hmm. refers to him as dummy um you know talks down to him belittles him makes fun of him um you know and it's it's the care and and reaction the fear first of all that that arnold arnold has for scarface is palpable as he sweating bullets in that scene where batman is interrogating him and despite batman having this reputation uh in the criminal underworld it's clear that the ventriloquist fears scarface much more than he fears batman mm-hmm. um but then having that reaction at the end of just mourning and being absolutely torn apart that scarface was shot seemingly shot to death and destroyed is uh yeah it r- really reveals that that sort of that uh, abusive love that uh oh yeah battered spouse syndrome that <laughs> that the control quest has in this relationship with uh with scarface yeah and i i love the way that the the individual uh thugs in in his gang sort of react to him where you have like Rhino only talks to the puppet. Like he only he only right. listens to Scarface and and talks to him like he's his own person. Whereas, you know, Mug and Mugsy's kind of the same way. And, and then you have uh, I think Rat, <laughs> the one with the big teeth, is named Ratso, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and he's uh, the the newer members of the gang are maybe a little bit more uh, suspicious of this idea that uh, that that Scarface is is really his own separate his own separate person, but. So just the way, yeah, the way the that they all the gang all interacts, some of the some of the dialogue again will will cover more in voice acting. But yeah, it's just a really, really uh quirky and fun, fun story. And uh and and I think the uh just just a blast and again just fits so well into this this already incredible rogues gallery that we'd established in the series to this point. Absolutely. All right, and let's move on to our next category, which will be animation and visuals, of course. Uh, so you mentioned at the top. So interestingly enough, I think you have a factoid about the animation studio that's uh, responsible for this uh, for this episode. Here, we we have a um, we have it credited, I believe, as a TMS show. But there was some conjecture. I think you mentioned before we started recording on the 
uh, on the, uh, the, 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 the vocal track or the, uh, the, the accompanying track for this episode that uh, there was some debate as to whether or not Bruce Tim believed this was an actual TMS show or not. Yeah, he said it looked to him like a Coco show, which uh, I mean, usually we we can look at it from a uh, we look at it from a what how Batman looks in the episode is usually the best key for mm-hmm. who's, uh, who's responsible for the animation. And uh, yeah, it's 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 sort of like it's like a hybrid look. I thought first look, I thought it was a sunrise show because mm-hmm. Batman, it's not the real long swooped back years with the, the super droopy nose. Mm-hmm. on the cow so it has more of like the normal square jaw but he has the real tiny bat symbol for most of this oh yeah and, and i don't know if that's more i don't know if that comes down to who storyboarded it or or in, in that case or or not or if i know i know generally these uh these a lot of these animation studios would farm out some of the work there's no indication that there was any other studios that worked on it but it is credited in, in the credits and, and everywhere online that I saw as well as the credits on the, uh, the Blu-ray as a TMS episode. And there is some, some on a technical level, even though maybe the, the you know, Batman's model isn't, isn't adhered to quite as strictly as some other TMS episodes. I do think there's some, uh, some incredible like stuff on a technical level, one of which being, and, and there's, as mentioned, there's a commentary track and, and uh, Boyd Kirkland, the director spoke about how, uh, how difficult slow motion is to pull off in animation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he specifically mentioned that, you know, there's the sequence where Batman's looking at the, uh, the security footage of, of Rhino and, and zooming in on the tattoo. And it's sort of this very slow, he said, it's very hard to keep the, you know the the lines from jiggling so to speak and make it look like a fluid motion when you're trying to replicate uh, slow motion on a uh, on an animated uh, episode like this and he was he was really impressed with how well uh, TMS pulled that off so I think there's there's some really nice stuff on a, on a technical level the some of the perspective shots of uh, of like when when the, the the gang is on the roof at the start of the episode and you get like the peer over the roof to look down and see how far it is to the to the street and then them them jumping off the roof uh, to to the to the mattress truck um, and uh, I also like a lot of the scene transitions like from the start there's this uh, this boxing match and then sort of mid match it sort of fades out into the uh, the promoter sort of uh, you know flipping through his money and and then uh, again, I think there's a sequence where after the uh, the spinning newspaper, it sort of fades into Gordon's office, and you just see you see his windows open, and if you look, you can kind of see Batman slither into the room, mm-hmm. and then and then into the shadows, and then walk out and and spook Gordon. Like I think there's some fun little things as far as transitions and a lot of those little things that you you would often get more so from the the TMS side as far as those little extra flourishes that they were able to pull off that uh, certain other studios couldn't. Yeah. I, I, I concur with that. I think that the, the opening scene also right after, by the way, uh, speculation as to whether or not the, uh, the boxing, the boxing gentleman, I believe who's named uh, mad dog, Ted uh, could possibly have been a reference to, uh, to, to wildcat Ted Grant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, s- some interesting uh, early retroactive Easter eggs here, mad dog, obviously not wildcat. So mm-hmm. may- maybe not one one a, but certainly a, a, a nod to that guy. Uh, but uh, it, in that scene, right after, as you mentioned, the, uh, 
the the uh, cutting of the or the counting of the of the currency and the, the winnings and the the lights go out in that room and you uh, you really get a, a scene that's lit lit very uh, very poorly but you just see these these sort of the outlines of the silhouettes of the characters and that was not something that you saw too too often uh, a lot of times you would just get like a darkened like a almost like a, a filter over top of the animation to make it look darker but you'd still be able to make out most of everything there's a lot in that scene that it's it's literally just sil- the very edges of the silhouettes of the of the characters and uh, as they're making their way out of the of the uh, I guess I guess it's Gotham Square Garden or whatever they whatever they're calling it is they're climbing up this uh, this this air vent and they have these claw uh, claw things that they're sticking on the sides to to kind of climb very I guess they're rock climbing tools or something like that these spikes on the end of them I've I, I remember loving that scene as a kid and just thinking how cool it was mm-hmm. and still thinking how cool it is today because they follow them kind of up the shaft is but as Rhino is carrying the one one guy on his shoulders and Muggsy's following after him and uh, I just love that that is the opening and, and kind of the setting it felt very cinematic like you know this is the opening scene of a movie um, that uh, that uh, even at, what Batman or notwithstanding or any other any other movie it's, it seemed like a fitting opening to a movie of a heist movie so um, I love that I as I mentioned before I love that they didn't reveal right away that that Scarface was a puppet uh if you look in that opening scene they're very uh, careful not to show you uh him directly his face and then they kind of have this POV shot over his shoulder and you can tell again that he's diminutive or a little bit smaller than everybody but it doesn't reveal right off the bat of course that he's a puppet until we get the actual Scarface reveal and then you get this really dramatic Batman shocked face uh, as he's peering in through the uh, through the uh, through the through the skylight so um, it, there's lots of lots of things they did also obviously it's a puppet that can't really show emotion uh, mm-hmm. so a lot of the emotion of Scarface comes through the voice acting but there were some subtle things that they did uh, you know with with the way that that uh, the ventriloquist himself uh, kind of controlled the puppet, you know, shoving the puppet into people's faces or, and a lot of times you would get that POV shot of the puppet sort of lurching towards the screen as the viewer. So I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and then as goofy as, as it is and as silly as, as, as it is, and, and we've kind of joked about it, but having this all take place of this, in this mannequin, factory or whatever made for a very interesting dynamic of course uh it's a it's a ventriloquist dummy surrounded by inanimate dummies essentially uh so it adds to the to the theme of the episode but then even in that final fight you have batman uh, and rhino kind of going in after each other and rhino charging after batman and missing him and landing like in a pile of mannequins and him standing up and having these mannequins draped Mm -hmm. over him he then rips like one of the mannequins arms or legs off and attempts to like so you get this very (laughs) violent visual of this rhino character ripping a leg off and then trying to attack batman with his (laughs) his dismembered leg uh it 
again, you couldn't do that with with a a real human being in the show. But I love that they took advantage of the fact that, hey, we're going to we're going to throw in some very interesting, violent visuals here because we can. Uh, and then, as we already mentioned, the, uh, the the ventriloquist reaction, they get this really up close, like terrified, shocked, screaming face uh, accompanied with this this great score that we'll talk about in just a moment here. And uh, and then we get this this pan out of him just holding Scarface's uh, lifeless bullet riddled body and just tearing up as they kind of pan backwards and batman mm-hmm. is just standing there over him just a very emotional shot and then coupled with this last shot of him driving the knife into into the scarface mm-hmm. face to, to drive it down and uh I, even before that there's uh, one of the attendants uh, attendees at uh at uh it's at uh, Arkham Asylum comes up to to Arnold as like very good Arnold that's that's good work and you kind of get Arnold saying thank you and he's very calm and then he kind of mm-hmm. turns back to the dummy and you see his face shift a little bit into mm-hmm. the, like distort just the slightest little bit kind of giving you a heads up about what's to come so it's the little things like that 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 we appreciate and as, as you mentioned at the top of the episode this is another one of those things that you can look at and say man uh, this set, this is why people come back to this show over and over again and say, man, this really revolutionized animation, uh, going forward and was revolutionary at the time for what it was and set the bar going forward for what you could show, what stories you could tell, what you could do, what visuals you could even do. Uh, there's, there is some physical violence in this episode. Batman throws some punches and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and punch attempting to, to, to get Rhino to, to, to take rhino down so you, you do even see some violence in, a, in an era where that wasn't that wasn't the norm so uh for all those reasons i thought this is a really really strong episode liam i ended up giving animation visuals a nine out of ten what about you yeah i went uh went just one tick lower i went eight out of ten i think there's some some really great stuff you've covered a lot of it there um uh the the, the other one that stuck out uh, that they mentioned on the on the commentary track was that in that first sequence where where uh, Batman's sort of interrogating Rhino and they're in this alley and you get the steam sort of shooting up from the, from the sewer grates. And in fact, at one point uh, you're sort of behind Rhino and then steam sort of shoots up in front of the, uh, the camera. And then when it comes back down, you see Batman has sort of appeared in front of Rhino. I think that's a really neat shot. And then they talked about uh, how they, you know, they, the way the, the, the episode was, was storyboarded and the way it was animated, they, uh, especially in that sequence, they wanted to sort of make sure in every shot, if you're looking at Batman, he's sort of looking up at Rhino. And then when you look at Rhino, you sort of see him looking down at Batman. You get, you really get that perspective of just how sort of huge and hulking Rhino is supposed to be. Because again, as, uh, as we talked about, uh, they're sort of building to this, this final confrontation that they have in the third act. So even here, even though there's no not real physicality there's a little bit of you know he kind of takes a swing at batman and batman trips him but but even even here just sort of setting up the the physical difference between batman and uh and rhino there which is then compounded with with rhino kind of doing a very you know a very as we mentioned he's very much in the, in the vein of like a kingpin or a or a rhino uh if you want to just use the direct correlation there as he sort of shoulders the the big uh, pallet of, of platinum uh, ingots and drops them on Batman. And then 
finally you set up the actual you know hand-to-hand fight in that in that third act that you talked about and yeah so I, I love the the visual language they kind of gave rhino and and batman's interactions throughout this whole episode i think it's a really neat touch and it's a way of really kind of building rather than just having them you could just say hey he's a big guy and the third act batman throws these punches and he kind of laughs them off and that's enough of a of a setup for how how powerful he is but having those extra little that first interaction again where they mostly are just talking and then that that second interaction where where rhino just you know d- darn near kills him with the <laughs> with the with the silver uh with the, or the platinum ingots and then and then all leading to that final confrontation i think the uh, the visual language of all all of batman's interactions with rhino is really well done Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, there's, there's a lot to enjoy in this episode and, and certainly uh, we may have missed a highlight or two. So don't forget if you've watched this episode this week or recently, or remember it perhaps from our past viewing, uh, tweet us at DCAU review with your thoughts and uh, anything we may have missed. Liam, let's, uh, let's continue in our categories here. Our next one is of course is going to be our music and uh, boy, howdy, what a, uh, what an incredible, soundtrack to kick things off right as the uh we didn't even talk about the title card but a a classic title card that we have here a a stunning visual of a wood block with a knife next to it and we get the read my lips uh text come across the screen uh we have a an instant classic i would dub this soundtrack kicking things off here and uh it's it's different than almost anything else you hear in the rest of the series yet it feels like it fits in with everything else that we hear because it's it's a unique character that sets up uh, what the rest of the episode is going to feel like and sets up so much of the atmosphere of the episode. Uh, I, I mean, we're going to get in here and talk about it, but I, I could just give you my score right now. It, this is a masterpiece <laughs> of a soundtrack, in my opinion. Oh, it's fantastic. You got, uh, obviously, there's sort of, again, we talked about it, sort of a, a, a mafia a movie for uh, uh, crammed into 22 minutes in this cartoon and so you have that very jazzy it's very it's it's very snare drum focused mm-hmm. in, in the percussion it's very uh you, know, you got a lot of the you know the strings and and the, the horns but then i think what's interesting to me and, and they talk about this a little bit in the commentary track because uh, when it was recorded miss walker was was thankfully still alive and she got to share a little bit of her process with it um but she talked about how you have that that jazzy side of things for the you know for the for the gangster for the for the heists and everything but then there's also like when you come down to that that reveal of star uh, of scarface at, at, the, at the end of the first act it almost becomes like a like a hitchcock like horror movie mm-hmm. these real shrill strings that come in when you get that big reveal and then you pair that with the visual of batman having this completely over the top reaction to, to him seeing that it's a puppet um it's like that's that's uh, just fantastic the way they they kind of you have that overarching jazzy uh, gangster theme that sort of goes throughout the whole thing but then you also have the uh you know the the sort of the shrill the shrill strings that they bring in for some of the more dramatic uh, tension building stuff and the, you got the reliance on the hi-hat for that classic jazz sound that kicks in and you get the bass, you know, the stand-up bass coming in with the, with the rhythm in the background. It's, it's, it's an instantly memorable, hummable theme, which is what we, what we love 
about those original Batman the animated series episodes is so much love and so much thought was put into those themes and so much freedom was given to Shirley Walker and the other the other artists that were responsible for these compositions. Um, this is one that I think even growing up, you knew when that title card came on uh, and you heard that first note exactly what you were gonna like it, it just floods back all of the memories of that episode those those notes are tied to specific beats of the episode um as you mentioned uh, there's there's some great usage of the the shirley walker batman theme uh when mm -hmm. the heist the heist is occurring uh, uh for the platinum on that ship uh they they arrive and there's this pretty intense uh, theme that's that's building the the tension for the for the scene as the, this mini boat arrives next to the the big ship and they use this acid to burn a hole into the side of the ship so there's this these strings that are playing and as they're loading the platinum onto this smaller boat you uh, I, I think it's I think it's Muggsy looks up and sees Batman silhouette on the on the side of the ship mm -hmm. and they let it hang there for a second before Shirley Walker's theme comes in. Uh, so the Batman theme plays and then uh, you get more of the Batman theme as he enters. He, it's all in silhouette and very dark as they enter the actual base of the ship. And uh, it's it's really, really good. I, it And it there's there's very few parts of the episode where there isn't uh, some sort of, of music playing. But the parts, the downbeats, I think you have some scenes like the, the ventriloquist interrogation by Batman. Um, you have the uh, the initial um, the initial uh, review of the the video footage in the in the Batcave. Of course, there's as as typically there's no no music uh, for scenes in the Batcave, um, but that allows those other scenes where the music really kicks off. And you have when Rhino and Batman first have their interaction, where Rhino decides to to make it physical to 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 try and go after him. The, the theme kicks in, and then. Again, at the end where Batman and Rhino kind of have this final showdown, the theme really kicks in at that point, right before Batman and him kind of go after each other. So it's a it's a home run. Um, I, I think it well worth checking out. Go over to YouTube or uh, your favorite music streaming service and, and look up the soundtrack for this episode. The the horns and the and the snare drum and the the hi-hat and all of that uh, with the stand-up bass. It's just a, a classic jazz piece that really adds to the uh, to to the episode and, and creating an incredible atmosphere. I had no choice, Liam, but to give this this one a perfect 10 out of 10. <laughs> Yeah, on, on that one, we agree wholeheartedly there. Yeah, 10 out of 10 for me as well. I just think it's so fun. The, from, again, from those, that opening, those opening little, uh, you know, you get the, the sounds like a stand-up bass and the, the hi-hat going, you the like, yep. it's just so archetypal and it just kind of eases you in. And then again, you then you bring in the more grand, the big band, the strings and the horns and all of that as the, as the action picks up. But yeah, just just fantastic from start to finish. And then uh, my one other musical note, which they uh, they mention in on the commentary track, is when they do the the spinning newspaper gag. That is a a not uh, unintentional homage to a little bit of the music that you would hear on the the old Adam West Batman show. So oh, love that, yeah, and it fits right in with that as well. Love mm -hmm. that. Yep, yeah, and uh, I I will mention also that I I just remember the theme that they're playing when they 
when they're loading the or unloading the platinum comes back later on uh, in just a scene or two later when Scarface uh, begins to look around and try and figure out who the traitor is when Batman is sort of goading him into believing Mm -hmm. that one of his so that theme comes back at that point and so you have the it's just an interesting dynamic between this sort of light jazzy like uh, but it's a it's a it's a heist movie theme or a or a mob movie theme with this like you said that intense sort of like uh the the intensity is is rising the pressure is rising theme that we get uh that as you mentioned has hitchcockian roots and really really good so yep not surprising that both of us gave this a a perfect score for music all right liam well that will move us to our final category of the day which is going to be voice acting not a uh, not a large cast for this week but uh a couple of uh, familiar voices that we've we've talked about in other roles in the dcau here uh, with their first roles so excited to get into this week's voice cast absolutely cal we have uh, some uh, some notable guest stars here we have uh uh joe piscopo who folks would know from uh, some of the early seasons of snl uh, playing Muggsy, um, we have uh, and uh, again he he and uh, and uh, Neil Ross as Ratso are fun just because even though they don't get nearly as much uh, time as uh, as uh, as as uh, Rhino and, and Scarface do, of course, but uh, they're 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 there just to be I guess kind of the point of almost the point of view characters is they're <laughs> they're sort of arguing amongst themselves as to whether or not you know of of what exactly is going on if if this is all just an act like if this is just a gimmick that right. uh, that he that that uh, the ventriloquist uses a puppet to give orders or and then uh, and then you've got the other the other people sort of assuring him that no no scarface is the brains behind this and right. it's, it's really uh some you get some really fun interactions between those uh those those two uh acts he's just tired irritable he's really a genius scarface is you mean the ventriloquist is a genius? Nah, like Scarface said, he's just hired help. Scarface, he's the real brains. And then, of course, playing Rhino, uh, a man we've talked about a few times. In fact, not uh, not too long ago, we've talked about, uh, of course, the great Earl Bowen mm-hmm. uh, playing Rhino. You know, a great actor. Folks would know him from uh, from the Terminator movies and, and lots of other voice work, including... Uh, voicing Simon Stagg on uh, on Justice League later on but I believe this is his his first uh, the first time he was cast by uh, Andrea Romano for 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 uh, for Batman the animated series and they talked about it because he's such a you know a refined great you know did a lot of stage acting he isn't really necessarily the type if you've ever seen a picture of the man that you would think could play up could play this sort of lumbering thug but he's just he's just so darn talented at it that he he just knocks it out of the park and he has this really fun as we mentioned sort of antagonistic conversation with batman but then when he goes back to sort of let scarface know that batman's on their case he's just completely sort of you know kowtowing to scarface and 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 just doing whatever he said he's so relieved when when scarface tells him he's too dumb to be the (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be the rat he's he's just wonderful in this role 
Yeah, it, I think for a character that size, you have to have somebody with that deep baritone of a voice. So mm-hmm. that's that's the first thing you look to is if you have somebody that is supposed to be this large, you have to have somebody that has a deeper vocal range. So obviously, yeah, he's he's quite capable of filling that role. But the fact that he was able to kind of as you said, if you've heard him in some of those, any other vocal performances that he's done, um, he tends to have a more thespian, refined, well-educated theatrical voice. So the fact that he was able to dumb that down, do this sort of like typical gangsta accent, like, you know, New York, Brooklyn style accent and still come through as a, as a dynamic uh, character, but also c- thoroughly convince you that he's not all that bright. Yeah, that's a that's a win. I'd say that's a win for a guy and, and a, a, a exhibit A for the for the uh, the, the vocal range and the uh, the voice acting range uh, for Mr. Bowen. Yeah, absolutely. He is he's just a delight in this episode. He really is, and playing off, of course, uh, an actor we've talked about quite a few times, but never in I think a, a real big starring role like this. Uh, George Zunza as uh, playing both the ventriloquist and Scarface here, um, of course, who voices Perry White in Superman the Animated Series. I believe he also voices the the tax accountant in the Jokerfish episode. Correct. Yep, absolutely. That's just my cat. That's right. So, <laughs> uh, and I guess that's and it's funny because I don't I don't believe when I was younger that I realized it was the same actor doing both voices, but. If you if you listen to it, you can definitely hear the the voice of uh, of J. Carl Francis in uh, sure can uh, in uh, in 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 Arnold's voice. But then the the Scarface voice is just this really sort of almost you know almost to the point of parody, like stereotypical uh, New York gangster voice, and complete with you know I'm talking here and 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 whatever, like, and I'm sleeping here and <laughs> and all this all these like real you know low-hanging fruit jokes but it kind of works because it it sets apart these these two personalities like there's a point there's a plot point in the episode where they mention that the voices are so different that even the uh, the back computer doesn't recognize them as a match to each other so and the fact that one actor was able to provide two just completely different voices and and have it work as well as it does and all right use mugs listen good there's a shipment of platinum going to be loaded onto the luxury line of Majestic. We're uh, going to... But platinum? But, but boss, don't they send stuff like that by freighter? I'm talking here! Okay, okay. Sorry, boss. It's a trick, see? They think no one will suspect the shipment's on a liner. But they're like you, mugs. Stupid. Not smart like me. We'll slip in, get the goods, and skedaddle before the ship leaves the harbor. One more thing. I smell a double cross. Woke up last night with one of them, whatchamacallits, uh, prima... prima notion. Premonition? Don't put words in my mouth. All I'm saying here is I got this feeling somebody here is out to get me, and I'm gonna get them first. I don't know who it is yet, but I will. And when I do... Now, here's the details. Listen up, I ain't gonna repeat myself. Not only he's playing off himself for a lot of it when he's 
know, the, the scene where, where Batman first goes into the, to the, to the hideout and, and interrogates the ventriloquist. And then <laughs> Starface is yelling from the other room that, uh, that he's, that he's trying to get sleep and whatever. And then, and then, as we already mentioned, his, his also getting to play off of, uh, of George, of, uh, of Earl Bowen and, uh, of, uh, of Mr. Piscopo and, and all, and the other gang members is he's just fantastic. And, and to be able to do, that well in these two completely different voices is uh, is is amazing yeah we we try and point that out i feel like every time that we we have uh we have a character a voice actor playing multiple roles in the same episode and especially when you're playing multiple versions of the same character mm-hmm. uh, in an episode and this is a little bit different because there is a distinct difference between the ventriloquist's voice and scarface's voice obviously but still you have to have two very different performances to differentiate and the fact that he's able to pull off performances that do not sound remotely similar like you can play those two voices and i would say most people would not assume that they're the same actor um it's it's really really good he he has some great lines that were written for him don't put words in my mouth he's like he yells at ventriloquist don't put words in my mouth um i love the ventriloquist concern and we talked about this sort of battered spouse syndrome relationship that they have and uh he like yells he yells into the room when scarface is getting real riled up like <laughs> sir remember your blood pressure <laughs> <laughs> like there are no shortage of jokes that just if you're a kid they go right over your head but as mm-hmm. an adult you're just like that is hilarious that makes so much sense mm-hmm. um you get as you mentioned the the whole bit at the end where batman is is doing the ventriloquist's voice to try and convince scarface that he's the one that's uh, that's the rat and uh, and and the ventriloquist swearing that he didn't say that his lips didn't move and scarface saying you know you're a ventriloquist so what um <laughs> You know, there's there's a there's a lot there's a lot of good one liners, as you said, uh, who you talking to creep. (laughs) Uh, So there's a lot of puns also that are worked in there. You know, there I I love uh, that he talks in sort of a stereotypical gangster uh, gangster voice. Also, at one point, he's Mm -hmm. as he's detailing to his uh, to to the gang what the plans are and uh, still very, very suspicious over who this uh, purported traitor could be. Uh, you know, he says that uh, when he finds out who they're going to be, they're going to be wearing a pine overcoat, like mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> uh, some subtle ways of, of threatening death with probably getting past the, uh, the, the censors. So yeah, there's a lot, a lot of fun to be had, certainly a memorable uh, performance for Mr. Dunza and, and certainly a, uh, a one for the, for the record books here. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a really strong one that set the, the tone for this character. Again, as you mentioned, it's not as if they had much to go off of uh, history wise for a performance to sort of match up or to go off of for this character being such a new creation at the time of the, uh, at the time of the animated series coming on TV. So uh, him setting the standard here for what would be the, uh, the, the, the voice going forward is, is really, really great. And his, his sort of timid understated wimp of a, of a character as the ventriloquist is also uh, I think equally, equally strong and, uh, and, and set the precedent for what that character would sound like going forward that's right and i think i think another recurring bit uh, other than him getting horribly dismembered is the uh 
the I'm Hit Boys line, <laughs> I think, makes it into every almost every Scarface appearance after this as well. So, so good. Funny to, yeah, again, just ev- almost every line. And yeah, and I think the, the way the dialogue is written, um, they mentioned on the on the con on the, the commentary track. So there's there's three people sort of credited with the, the story for this. It's Alan Burnett, uh, Joe Lansdale and, and Michael Reeves, who is the story editor for the show. And uh, Mr. Reeves mentioned that uh, Lansdale was like a uh, uh, was like a crime novelist, and then he I guess he had done a Batman novel at some point. So ah. they brought him in to do the story, and I think you really feel like even though it's a silly superhero story with a man dressed up like a bat and a puppet as the villain, it like a lot of the line I think especially that that Batman uh, Rhino confrontation like it feels like it's lines out of The Untouchables or Goodfellas or something yeah. like. Like uh, and and we'll get to that. Yeah, as we as we get to our our I guess our main cast voice actors, we have uh, of course briefly we have Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. as Alfred and Bob Hastings as Commissioner Gordon, and then of course we have Kevin Conroy as Batman. And then my I think my favorite line from Batman in this episode is when he's when he's interrogating uh, Earl Bowen's Rhino, and Rhino tells him something, and he just goes, "You're breaking my heart, Rhino." <laughs> like it's <laughs> like it's like yeah, it's like this old gumshoe detective. Like it really has that. I mean, the whole series has that sort of film noir 1930s feel to it. But some of the dialogue here and the way it's delivered and the way it's written is is really, uh, I think, really leans into that. Maybe maybe harder than any other episode we've done to this point. Agreed. Yeah, it's it, there's it's more uh, I think I think it's more of an understated. There's not as much that's required of him. As we said, we, there's that whole scene with him and, and uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Hashtag my Alfred uh, mm-hmm. with the exposition and they have a cute little back and forth. And uh, and uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. even gets to, to deliver a funny line where he says, uh, you've had your 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 share of odd opponents, sir. But this one does take the biscuit. Um, <laughs> you know, Alfred, Alfred, uh, with his own commentary track there uh but uh yeah so it's it's not it's there's not a lot asked of of kevin conroy for the majority of the episode it's a lot of exposition and explaining of of multiple personality disorder his his brief interrogation uh with mr bowen's rhino i think in that scene is is pretty good i I love their their back and forth it's it's almost as if if batman is just world weary and just doesn't have the time he's just give him the information rhino and i do love a a very memorable line where he pokes he pokes rhino in the chest and who's your boss Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, a classically delivered line um but then i i think the 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 part where he gets to shine really is the the part at the end where uh he uh he he's he's tricking tricking scarface into believing that there is this this traitor amongst him and and having some fun uh at doing it not really not really at all fearing that he's going to be dropped or or on these razor sharp sharp claws so yeah it's a it's a good performance a solid one from him not as much i feel like asked uh from maybe a, a typical episode but we talked about it before a lot of the best episodes batman will take a back seat and there isn't as much asked for him but the the parts the parts where uh, mr conroy does have to come through and share some of the story or fill in some of the blanks i think he does a unsurprisingly a really good job absolutely and yeah i think for for the strength of our our guest cast alone i i felt like i really had no choice but to give this one a a perfect 10 out of 10 Yep, I am right there with you. Also the same here, a perfect 10 out of 10. I think Mr. Dunza alone, uh, 
his performance would uh, would put it into that category. But then you bring in Earl Bowen, you bring in, uh, you know, Mr. Piscopo and and, uh, and Neil Ross and, and their minor roles. And uh, really, it's the George Dunza show, though. Let's let's let's, let's be honest here. It's uh, it's his episode to carry. And he does uh, he does the lion's share and, and is able to do so with two diff- different, very distinct voices, as we mentioned, and, and did so extremely effectively. So unsurprisingly, uh, top scores from both of us here. Absolutely. All right, Liam. Well, speaking of scores, I believe it is time to total up our scores here at the end and uh, totaling everything up with the amount of perfect scores I gave uh, today. uh, I am just one point shy of a perfect score ending up with a 39 out of 40, which is still rarefied air when it comes to the uh, the episodes we've had here 39s and, and 40 out of 40s are are a rare thing here so it uh, tells you a lot about this episode what about you absolutely and uh, mine is just coming in a couple points shy but still uh, still a very strong 37 out of 40 so i mean we can it's probably a foregone conclusion but as we as we always do we'll discuss the uh, the rewatchability for this episode I mean, yeah, this is, uh, it's it, not only is it a, is it a classic great episode of the series, you've got great music and, and fun action and a new, you've got the, the first introduction of a villain who comes back several more times and, and just great performances across the board. So this is one of the, the easiest uh, two thumbs ups I think we've been able to give to an episode in quite a while. Yeah, no debate here for me. Character, reoccurring character in the series comes back uh, again here in Batman the Animated Series. Comes back again in the new Batman Adventures. Is a is one of the, uh, the maybe B tier uh, rogues, but certainly recognizable for all Batman fans. So, uh, someone that you would definitely uh, definitely recognize if you are a fan of the Dark Knight and, and you want to know this story and it's enjoyable from start to finish. Twenty two minutes of fun. So many different aspects of the episode are enjoyable uh, and come together to make it uh, a a pretty strong dare I say masterpiece of an episode so yeah uh, two thumbs up uh, no no argument here absolutely all right, Liam. Well, that will begin to wrap us up for this week. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, we would love your support for the podcast. You can do that a few different ways. Uh, some of the, the ways that, that uh, are free, that don't cost you anything to do, leave a review of the podcast, either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can leave five-star reviews. Apple Podcasts even lets you leave a little blurb about what you like about the podcast. Uh, that helps us out. So if you have a few moments and would like to do that, that helps us out majorly. That's a, it's a free way to help us out. Um, you can also support us by following us on our social media pages at DCAU Review, both on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can also uh, interact with us on our Twitter page at DCAU Review. Maybe you got a different opinion about this episode. Maybe you agree with us. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this week's episode. Comment on our post on Instagram or tweet at us at DCAU Review. Uh, additionally, if you want to support us a few other ways, uh, you can check out, there's a link at the bottom of our anchor site uh, for our anchor site to if you want to support us monetarily, you can also head over to dcaureview.com and click on the store tab uh, through this weekend. If you're listening to this, the, the weekend that it actually drops uh, through the end of this weekend, we are having a sale at our store. You can go over there. Uh, all of our merch is, uh, is on, on sale, so you can get uh, 15% off any order. So get yourself a sticker or a shirt or a mug or something if you want to support us. Uh, we greatly appreciate that. 
Liam, uh, we are continuing here for the rest of the month, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the program, on uh, on a Batman the Animated Series month as we continue, which means uh, we will continue in the next episode in production order. Let's talk about what episode we'll be covering next week. That's right. So believe it or not, this this first uh, this first episode order that uh, that they got from Fox Kids, which I, another thing of a bygone era, they got a sixty five episode order to kick off uh, Batman the Animated Series, and we have reached the sixty fifth episode. So this is the end of that initial batch of episodes, at least in production order. Wow. Um, and we are uh, in fact talking we will be talking about episode 65 of the worry men next week which i uh, believe involves not only the returning veronica vreeland but also i believe the mad hatter will be involved again a villain we haven't talked about in quite a while so looking forward to uh, getting back to that, that to an episode uh, i don't really remember going back to too often uh, even once the dvds and stuff came out so uh, looking forward to covering that one next week yeah, spoiler alert, this tends to be on the bottom side of a lot of people's uh, top top Batman lists. So not uh, not one that's usually favorably mem- remembered by a lot of the fans, but uh, leave it to us to figure out whether we agree with that coming up next week. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Adios.